The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Ken Beetle joins us. CHS Hedging Russell Consulting Group located in the Twin Cities. And I got to say, you guys survived the monsoon rains that came through some some slowdowns i think for producers really can't all the way across the midwest as they do some drying out today with the help of some winds but it could have been a lot worse and like you said it's not north carolina at this point yeah exactly uh, you know we've uh, we've had some significant amounts of rainfall up here and uh, it's going to keep people out of the field here probably through the weekend uh, at a minimum uh, because we had anywhere from an inch and a half to as much as four or five inches through much of southern Minnesota but um, you know they were still working pretty hard in uh, in uh, you know Ohio and Indiana and Illinois and maybe even across through uh, uh, southeast uh, Iowa and uh, so, um, you know, there's still definitely progress that was made this week. We saw the beans give back a little bit today in the market trade, but you had talked about um, reversing um, higher in both the corn and the beans for the most part this week. Yeah, on a weekly degree, if you look at weekly uh, uh, candlesticks, we made new contract lows this week and then um, managed to close the week higher uh, in uh, both corn and soybeans. And that's a very nice technical signal. Um, it essentially shows a rejection uh, of those lower prices, um, you know. And and, uh, and not only did we, you know, did we reverse higher, but we closed above the old contract lows that were set earlier in the summer in both cases. And so, um, you know, I think it's a clear rejection that underneath three fifty, or a clear indication maybe that underneath three fifty, uh, there's more end user pricing in corn uh, than there is. Um, any real willingness from the American producer to sell corn, and uh, and and maybe even in soybeans, um, you know, I don't think there's much uh, movement uh, in soybeans at all out of the country, even with uh, harvest upon us. Um, there's very little that's going to get priced, and while uh, we're not selling any soybeans to China, we're selling soybeans to uh, many other parts of the world. Um, we had uh, a very, very good weekly export sales this week, um, and I think we saw a fair number of daily sales um, over the course of the week that will show up on next week's report. And so I think it's telling us that, um, you know, despite our issues with the Chinese, there's an awful lot of demand for our grain uh, at these lower price levels. Which I think is good news because we've had such a focus, focus on what we've lost with all these trade disputes that we kind of sometimes forget to look about what we've gained in that information. Yeah, yeah well, and of course, you know, we're gaining business at some very inexpensive prices, and that's, you know, we don't want to forget that, but, um, you know, what we've done is essentially shift trade flows. Um, as, uh, as China goes and reaches for every last bean that they can possibly buy out of Brazil, um, uh, pushing their prices uh, dramatically higher, uh, and and uh, kind of putting a chink in our our normal logistical pattern here in the U.S., pushing U.S. basis levels a lot lower, and of course the board lower. It just makes for a bargain uh, to just about anywhere else in the rest of the world. And um, essentially, the market has solved for the uh, 
for the pricing of, of putting U.S. beans into just about anywhere else that needs them. Where are we sitting and, and what's been happening with the soybean meal as of late? Well, uh, what we what we saw this week was um, similar to the beans, a move to new contract lows. And uh, on Monday, we actually pushed below uh, what would be a psychological uh, barrier, which was this $300 a ton area. And, um, you know, over the last uh, number of years, um, you know, we have not managed to spend much time below $300 a ton at all. And uh, as we... Uh, as we drove through that here early this week, we ended up reversing higher off of that uh, sub $300 a ton area and um, managed to uh, managed to push back above $310. Um, and that, you know, just again, sort of indicative of, uh, of the very, very strong demand that we had in the meal. Now, today we had a setback in meal. And I think that that setback seemed to me to be driven not by any um, uh, any lack of demand for the meal at these lower prices, but uh, what I think was uh, speculative liquidation of these oil meal spreads. Um, you know, soybean meal has had a, a very, very large share of the crush. Uh, soybean oil, a much smaller share of the crush because we've essentially had to crush meal or crushed soybeans in order to fill meal demand that Argentina hasn't been able to fill with the short crop that they had last year. And um, that's resulting in excess oil supplies here in the U.S. But we're, our soybean oil prices had dropped down to an area that uh, very, very attractive, very, very cheap relative to where oil is traded over the last seven or eight years. And, um, you know, with diesel prices uh, having rallied, um, you know, significantly above where its uh, lows have been over the last few years. It just puts uh, soybean oil in a, in a real value position right now. I think we saw some, uh, some interest uh, both from, um, in liquidating oil meal spreads and probably in the end users in, in buying some oil at these cheaper prices. Now, speaking of cheaper prices, with Brazil and Argentina's c- currency still being as cheap as it is, does that cause any concern for you? Well, it it um, it certainly makes their commodities cheaper on the world market, um, and that would be a larger concern today if uh, we weren't in the midst of of all of this trade dispute and and uh, if China wasn't essentially um, sucking Brazil dry out of soybeans and if the size of the corn crops in both Argentina and Brazil uh, weren't significantly lower um, this year. Folks, we have more of the Fontenelle Final Bell coming up after this on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Kent Beadle again is joining us. CHS Hedging, along with the Russell Consulting Group, located in the Twin Cities. Before we went to break, we were kind of talking, Kent, where we were sitting with with the grain complex. Now, I did notice there was a purchase that came on the corn side. I didn't mention who it was to, or or when the if it was for this year or new crop. But I figured you could kind of put a little light on that situation. Yeah, yeah. It, it was. Uh, uh, it looked like two cargoes of corn uh, sold to an unknown destination. This is uh, 2018, 2019 corn, um, and we've seen 
uh, end users uh, reach for corn here is, uh, as we mentioned before, anything below 350 seems to be very, very attractive. And uh, uh, when the market reversed above 350 yesterday, I think it may have spurred some people to say, "Well, we better get it here while it's uh, while it's still reasonably cheap." And uh, so uh, we sold two cargoes. That could have been Japan. It could it could still be Mexico potentially. Um, uh, in terms of an unknown destination, but uh, uh, what we also had this morning was 100,000 tons of meal to an unknown destination, and that's a little bit harder to pin down as to where that might be going. Um, you know, you still wonder if it isn't uh, something that might end up in China ultimately, um, uh, or maybe even uh, uh, maybe even Europe uh, potentially. But uh, uh, we don't know who that's going to either. But again. Uh, with meal prices having dropped uh, uh, near $300 a ton, pretty good value here for the end user. We'll jump over now to the happenings of the livestock side. And no surprise, this hog market has been one that everybody continues to watch. But there has been a lot of volatility within the trade. Yeah, there sure has. And in fact, if you look at a weekly chart here in in uh, you know, say December hogs or February hogs, what you find is that we've had some very wide ranges this week, and yet that we're going to we're going to end the week uh, very very close to unchanged, uh, to right where we ended up last week. And I think what that shows us um, it, with wide ranges and uh, uh, yet yet an undetermined type close is that the market is still very confused about uh, the varying fundamentals that are that we're looking at right now that the first major one being uh you know the impact of asian swine flu um you know we i had heard this week there was a, a veterinary um uh meeting uh that uh, there was some folks speaking on the topic and um you know essentially suggesting that um that this could be a really really big deal in terms of uh, the impact on uh, on supplies and uh, the numbers of hogs that might ultimately need to be slaughtered to uh, to get it under control, and um, so that's a, you know that's real bullish. And we've had some you know we had some big updates this week, uh, but we still have a lot of uh, domestic supply, and we still have our trade issues with the Chinese, which are uh, not close to being resolved whatsoever, and. Um, uh, so with that, you end up getting some uh, some down days. In addition, we've been pushing up into some areas that are some pretty natural hedge levels for the trade. As you get uh, these hogs up near sixty dollars, uh, as you get the summer hogs up, you know, at eighty dollars or higher, uh, you know, the amount of um, margin that has uh, that we've seen improvement on in the in the industry over the last uh, five or six weeks is is pretty phenomenal. Is you know we're talking about maybe twenty five dollars ahead uh, in all of these different months. And so uh, locking that in for the industry is um, is also maybe responsible for some of the downside volatility that we've had. Well, and, and some, I, w- I was doing some reading earlier as well that talked about they really don't know what the full magnitude is of, of this flu in China because they said they may not yeah. be releasing all the information that they have. No, I, I think that the, the Chinese government is going to keep that pretty close to the vest because if it gets out that it turns out to be a much bigger deal, well, that that pro- possibly um, 
impacts their bargaining power that they think that they have in trying to negotiate a trade deal here with the U.S. If uh, uh, if it gets out that they need our pork um, in larger quantities and 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 it becomes a uh, an issue like that, well, then they might not have the leverage that they think that they have, and they're trying to play the long game in this and and not the short game. And so, um, a uh, yeah, this this area around sixty dollars. I mean, we were we had traded as low as forty two bucks um, here not too long ago in uh, anticipation of and fear of the sort of the winter glut that that we typically have in the hog market. And um, for to see the market rally back up to an area that is something close to break even for much of the industry, it just becomes an area that you know it allows the industry to take a deep breath and say, "Okay, great, you know we're not going to suffer the kinds of losses we thought we were going to suffer." Right, sounds good. What's the best way for producers to reach you, Kent? I, I can be reached at 800 uh, 8510892 uh, here at CHS Hedging and the Russell Consulting Group. And we'd, uh, we'd love to hear from any of your listeners who would like to uh, get a little help with their marketing plans. All right. Sounds good. That's the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.